Tonight's recorded episode of Beyond the Beltway with Bruce Dumont is from the 2012 Radio Archives. Live from Chicago, this is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Republican Michael Miller of DePaul University, Mark Witte of Northwestern University, and healthcare expert Michael Condren, and our program tonight coming to you from our home base at the Museum of Broadcast Communications in Chicago, where our toll-free lines are open at 1-800-723-8289. That's 1-800-723-8289. If you'd like to email us a comment, it's btb at museum.tv. And if you'd like to join us on the World Wide Web, www.beyondthebeltway.com. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about the Supreme Court decisions of last week. There was the big one, of course, late in the week on Obamacare. And also then earlier in the week, there was the decision on the uh, Arizona immigration uh, law. And uh, some observers would say that the Supreme Court really punted. They didn't give any side uh, everything that they wanted. And uh, we're going to talk about that and also about the ramifications of each of those laws and the politics, how it's likely to play out in the campaign coming up in November. Uh, That's the topic for discussion this evening. But uh, I welcome at the beginning of the broadcast, uh, Michael uh, Condren. Uh, He is uh, with an organization called the Newport uh, Board Group. And you're in the healthcare business. Yes, Bruce. You've been in the healthcare business for a long, long time. So before we get to the politics of, of what happened last week, tell us how everyone's life is going to change over the next five years based on what happened last week. Well, th- first of all, thanks for having me on. And, and uh, if you remember that a number of years ago you had me on as we were just starting to legislate this, uh, this law. And part of what is uh, still really exciting, while we know it's an unpopular, sometimes even controversial law, is uh, some of the specifics getting to uh, um, uh, the pre-existing condition issues. Uh, no longer will you have uh, somebody that is denied uh, access to health insurance because they have a pre-existing condition, or even the fact that they might have spent too much money within the healthcare system. Um, there are no longer caps that are allowed. Um, most importantly is it expands insurance coverage for substantially more Americans that, cur- that currently otherwise would not have coverage. One of the most important points that people forget is, you know, everyone has some level of access in America to coverage. The question is how we pay for it. So you don't find very often in either cities or rural uh, America that someone walks into a hospital and gets turned away. The question is really based on who pays for it. And part of what the, the law is, is, is focused on addressing is getting those uh, uh, that, that haven't paid in the past to pay their fair share, to start to get more involved in paying for health care. Uh, that means expanding for uh, those in Medicaid and, 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 and beyond, and certainly great benefits for those in Medicare. But insofar as those benefits are concerned, uh, there's going to be more benefits. So people people should view that positively. Now, how that gets paid for, that gets into the politics and whether or not there's going to be a significant change, because obviously mm-hmm. uh, the Supreme Court did give, I think, uh, the Republican side, uh, you know, something to, to crow about when they really defined it as a tax. Right. And so they can say that uh, the administration is raising taxes. So as a uh, as an economist, uh, Mike, uh, and also as a conservative Republican, how do you view what happened last week by the Supreme Court? Uh, speaking as an economist first, I think, and, and a Republican second, I was very pleased to see that they uh, upheld the Commerce Clause, that they can't make you buy just anything. Uh, 
I was disappointed that they then created a tax that we could tax you for inaction. I guess we can tax you now for anything. But I think the thing that people are not realizing is that this bill is going to come due and it's going to cost us a lot of money. And I know you use the word insurance, but this has nothing to do with insurance in the standard sense that there's risks and there's and the companies charge you a premium based upon risks. And we don't insure everybody who drives like a fool. We don't uh, insure their car. And and so somehow we have to pay for all this. And I just don't know how in the world we're going to pay for all this, in addition to all the other things that we have. Mark Whitty from Northwestern, also an economist. Thank you very much for being with us. Your reaction to the Supreme Court decision? Well, I was, I was astonished by how it did play out. And I, I think that um, health care is absolutely an interstate commerce issue, that somebody's in another state, if they don't have insurance, they get hit by a bus, it falls, the cost falls on people in that state. That said, I'm, I'm glad to see sort of the risk pool being broadened that there's a real gain from being in a risk pool, and this pre-existing condition thing bans a lot of people from it. And it could happen to anybody that you lose your job and you run out of your COBRA benefits and suddenly you know, you're uninsured. And this, this gets, gets around the problem of charging you know, high rates or even refu- refusing insurance to people who have pre-existing conditions. Are you worried about the cost? could be any of us. Are you worried oh, about the cost, like uh, Mike? Well, it certainly is a tax increase, and I'm actually kind of delighted about where the taxes fall. I mean, taxes are going to go up, and this is a tax on... Um, basic, I mean, a lot of the tax burden is, falls on large insurance plans, which are part of employer uh, provision. So, I mean, employers provide a lot of benefits, and we're pretty much only taxed on our cash wages. And, you know, we should be taxing all of our benefits. Where do you, th- where do you think the tax benefit and liability is going to hit. Yeah, let's be clear. First of all, that, that, that if you read the Supreme Court opinion, it's 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 uh, in, instead of saying that we're dealing with a tax, the law is very clear that those who choose not to get insurance that now is mandated, just like auto insurance in the state of Illinois is mandated, Same. just like that, that that you will be penalized, you will be excised, uh, a penalty. Okay, and 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 so what we found was about four billion dollars a year is what's going to be raised, as that's what's projected based on those who choose that it is still more expensive to buy insurance, and rather than buying insurance, they will be excised a penalty. Mike, you disagree with that? that? It, it's not the same as auto insurance. What happens with auto insurance? You have to want to drive first, and that's a privilege. It's not a right. Second, it's done by the states. It's not done by the federal government. What this is doing is going to tax you for inaction. I do not. I have health insurance, so it's not an issue for me. But if I decide I do not want to buy it, say for religious reasons, by the way, which has gotten an exemption on the tax, we will tax you. And I just don't understand how you can. The taxing power of the United States now has gotten to the point that they can tax you on behavior. I just don't like the way you behave. You're going to pay a tax. Well, and one, one thing to be clear as well is it's uh, Congress came out. What the Supreme Court decision was focused on was whether Congress had the authority to enact this this law, period. And so whether we're dealing with the Commerce Clause or we're dealing with some of these other issues of, about uh, under Article One, Section Eight, the ability to collect and lay duties and taxes, co- uh, Supreme Court merely determined that Congress had the right to make this law. But now, the law it wasn't that tax. it was a penalty; it, the, the, it was never intended to be a tax. The law is very clearly written as a penalty, and in fact, if you read the opinion, opinion's very clear that for, under the Anti-Injunction Act, it was determined to be a penalty. All that was determined under the Supreme Court decision was that Congress had the authority, merely the authority to enact this legislation and, and provide this penalty if people chose not to participate 
in the health care pool. Now, they won't be denied coverage. They'll be denied access. They'll be allowed to go into a hospital and, and get services. And if they choose not to get insurance, how quickly, they will pay How quickly will these uh, changes, will the Supreme Court decision, how quickly is that going to uh, affect somebody? A number of years. So Yeah, I think 2014, 2014. is yeah. when it first kicked but in. It's already started. Some of it's oh, already started. Oh, part of the law has started. Yeah. But in terms of the tax... Or what? Well, we have to agree it's a tax or a penalty. Let's call it's it. It's a freaking tax. tax. It is. Anything it's that takes tax. money from people is a tax. I, I agree with you. It's okay, a tax. Right, the I, I think it's a misnomer to worry about. I mean, yeah, the, yeah. the issue is under yeah, the authority. I agree, Mark. It's a tax. The, the, the biggest issue here is we 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 have a now an ability to provide more service to more people to be to allow more people that otherwise wouldn't we wouldn't figure out how to pay for their uh, their benefits. But when see, we come thing, back, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get everybody's response. Tax or penalty? We have we have a unanimous decision as far as the professors tonight. One eight hundred seven two three eighty two to nine. Your reaction to the Supreme Court's decision last week on Obamacare? One eight hundred seven two three eighty two to nine. Since the moment you were born, I've made a thousand wishes. Wishes for your future in a world that's changing fast. For all of the things you may one day do, do play and laugh, do win and lose, do learn from your mistakes, and challenge yourself to grow. Do not be afraid or make decisions based in fear. Do it all with confidence and with kindness and strength. Do call your mom and ask her for advice. And always do your best to remember that no matter what you do in this life, what matters to me is that you keep doing. I love you always, Mom. Inspire kids to do at 4H.org. Standing up for what's right. Helping out when things go wrong. Raising our voices alone or together seeking the truth and speaking our minds not just making records but breaking them fighting for victory on the battlefield and on the playing field seeing the world through new eyes and the earth from miles above redefining beauty brains and what it really means to be queen making ourselves heard on stage and on screen, showing the way in Silicon Valley and showing up for others wherever help is needed most. Not just making our mark, but making a difference. Now that's a job for a Girl Scout. Girl Scouts, preparing girls for a lifetime of leadership. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career I can be proud of and supporting my family. America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives. I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV, we're on a mission to help veterans get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran, and my victory was finishing my education. DAV offers veterans of all generations a lifetime of support for victories great and small. My victory was proving that disability is not a limitation. My victory was getting my service dog a new best friend. We help more than a million veterans every year as they face and conquer their challenges. 
challenges. My victory is being able to be there for my family. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You are listening to a recorded edition of Beyond the Beltway with Bruce Dumont from the 2012 Radio Archives. From Dixon, Illinois to Detroit, Michigan, you are listening to Beyond the Beltway. Let's head to Detroit where Kevin is listening to us on uh, POTUS tonight on uh, XM Satellite Radio. Go ahead. You're on the air, Kevin. Hey, how's it going, guys? Okay. Uh, we're going to, uh, just, just, if you could just bear with me here, we're going to call this the what, what Romney himself called this a few years ago. The personal responsibility mandate, whether it's a tax or not, it's, it's about personal responsibility. You see, I, I, I am uh, ready to just pull my hair out over the uh, uh, hypocrisy of uh, folks like your Republican uh, panelists there who know that this health care law was born in the halls of the Fair- Heritage Foundation nearly 30 years ago. It was the alternative to the Clinton health care plan in, in 94. It was something that Newt Gingrich thought was a good idea. That is the mandate I'm talking about, until he ran for president. You know, I can't wait to hear the president and Romney debate this issue. It, just imagine if Obama never passed his health care bill. Romney would be crisscrossing the country right now talking about how 96% of the constituents in his state, have health care now, when he well, became governor, got health care, and, and, uh, and the health care costs are lowering in, in their state, which is helping their deficit. I mean, he would be living it up. And I, Sir, I, I don't, know, I don't you know whether you uh, heard uh, Jack uh, uh, Lou, who is the White House chief of staff on uh, one of the Sunday morning shows today, and he mentioned, he dropped Romney's name about 10 times in his interview, reminding him of, of what he did when he was the, uh, the governor of uh, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Hey, Absolutely. And you, know, and you know what? And Republicans, if, if Romney, if Obama didn't pass this, and Romney had it free and okay. clear... Let's t- right, right. They will be calling it personal responsibility. Okay. Let's go. Let's go to to uh, Mike Miller. He is the uh, Republican that you're referring to. Also uh, a college professor. There are Republican college professors, and There's we few. we have found the one in the United States who's with us tonight. <laughs> Uh, t- tell us again. We're going to talk more about the politics but think of, of this purely in the second from an hour. Economic standpoint. Yeah, okay. What he was saying is the individual mandate is absolutely necessary to fund this program. There's no other way that you can truly fund the program. I understand that as an economist. What you have to do is expand the pool to have people who don't use health care paying in when they're not using it, so that people like me and you, when we're older and using it, that we're covered. And that's how insurance works. That's that's the way it's supposed to be. But the only question is, can the government within a free society with a with a constitution which has limited power for the government and enumerated powers, can it tell me what I must buy on a private party, a private party, private market? And I just think the answer is no. There's got to be another way to do this. And and the point is, um, in this law, the Affordable Care Act, while it mandates participating in, in insurance, it also allows you to opt out by paying what is indeed the caller is right. It's a shared responsibility payment. That's what it's called. Mm-hmm. And 
it allows you to make an economic decision about how much your health benefits may cost mm-hmm. versus paying this, this, this shared responsibility payment, mm-hmm. which is about right now generally estimated to be $600. Now, one thing just to be clear. One $600 more to for the, a, that's a, a thou- be, at the, at the break. That's one thing we were saying. It's $600 the first year. Then it goes up the second, up to the third. And we don't know how high it's going to be in the fourth and out is that's my true. understanding. But one, one thing again, just you can make it anything you wait, want. Frank, I have a quick question. Wait, sure. Have you opted out of Social Security and Medicare? Oh, no, I have not. No, I'm mean, sort of consistent with that. Yeah, I, I absolutely. I, I mean, it's our system. And, and keep in mind that that what does health care cost? I mean, the, the university gives me. I think it costs ten or twelve thousand dollars a year. So is the penalty going to be twelve thousand dollars? No, but what the penalty? What this does address? And if you read actually page sixteen of the Supreme Court opinion, even observes this: is you pay of your twelve thousand dollars about a thousand dollars of that premium goes towards paying the those uninsured those right oh, now and so and it yes. might i believe it might even be more so society is sure. paying and and what the, under, the, under act the current is, system you're saying under the current yeah. system and right. what the act is is going towards is being able to to cap that to oh, get I, to a point where we address the fact that there are so many people that use the system that don't participate in mm-hmm. insurance that now there's a way to subsidize early that. Yeah. It doesn't early, cure it early in the broadcast we talked about uh, about the tax but you say the number of people that are going to be taxed is very few. It's uh, predicted to be about 1% of all, uh, all of us in society that are going to be paying that uh, a shared responsibility payment. And, and again, it's a purely gonna, going to be an economic so, decision. It's either you're going to be looking at either participating through a health insurance exchange and buying the base coverage. From, or you, from the private sector. Either, yes, from the private sector. But it, remember, it will be uh, sometimes administered by the states through the health insurance exchanges. Each state will be putting one of those sure. up. Yeah. And, and then if you choose not to do that, so it'll be available to everyone, you simply choose not to do that for expense or, to your mm-hmm. point, even religious reasons, you're being asked to make mm-hmm. a shared responsibility mm-hmm. payment. And what we find is that payment is going to be substantially less for some people than it would be to actually buy the base coverage. Let's go to calls. Let's go to Lisa listening to us in Compton, Illinois, uh, not far from Rockford. Go ahead. You're on the air. Uh, first of all, I think Social Security, when that first started out, it was voluntary until they started passing it out to all the people that weren't putting into it, and then they had to made it, make it mandatory. Isn't that true? I don't think so. I, I, mean, I think for, it was. Back in 1978, I'm old enough. I know people who left the state of Illinois because they made it mandatory. Oh, eventually that, every state with in. teachers and certain state employees, they don't have, they're not part of Social Security. That's been true for a long time. But I think at the very start. I'm not start, talking about teachers that I fund, and I'm not yeah. talking about the firefighters okay. that I fund um, and all that. I'm talking about me, the average person who's going to um, be knocked down by this. Um, I, I stand to lose. I mean, and nobody really looks at this. Oh, you say 1%. You make it sound so simple and so easy. I stand to lose. Everything that I have worked my butt off for because of this health insurance plan. Explain. Explain. Really explain. Uh, Lisa. 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 Take a take a take a moment and explain what you just said. How do you lose everything that you've worked for? I am what is self-employed, it? and I struggle, and I am right there. Mm-hmm. So I am going to have to come up with four to six hundred dollars a month for health insurance and not make my mortgage payment. So you are currently or are you I currently don't pay uninsured? For the health insurance and the IRS takes my house right now. When I want to go to the doctor, I can pay for it. So I'm going to pay for a health insurance plan 
Are you that are you are you are you insured now? Lisa, are you are Lisa, are you are you insured now? Lisa, 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 are you insured now? No. I you're, no. You're not. And I have never been insured. And how old are and you? I've always paid as I went. And I've never had a problem with that. Well, you've, you've been very lucky so far. And how old are no, you? No, it's not luck. It has mm. nothing to do with it. Why should I have to give up my quality of life or lose everything that I have worked my butt off for because people... Because you get hit by a car? pay their bills. Fine. You get hit by a car and you die if you don't have health insurance. All right. I'm sorry. Uh, that's the way I look at it. Some people have to save everybody or everything. Or, you know, that's fine. And if they want to do it, then they can jump in. I don't believe in that. It's, and it's, I don't believe that I have to lose my house and everything I have struggled for. You're, you're right there so now. Somebody who gets hit by a car has... Up. And Lisa, so you're. I have. To, I end up living on the street because somebody gets hit by a car. But Lisa, but Lisa, let, let me let me just ask ask this particular point. You have been you have been lucky and you have been blessed thus far that you have not had any kind of a and catastrophic. That's who comes in and takes it all. Let, let me let me finish. You've been very fortunate that you've not have had any catastrophic health uh, experience in your life, but. If you did right now, let's say tomorrow, if you had a catastrophic situation based on what you've described without insurance, you could lose everything you have because you would not have the ability to pay the That's doctor right. or the hospital. Ran out, didn't it? So in other words, the answer to that is we shouldn't care about you. That's fine. I, you know, that's just the way it goes. Some people, you know, okay. and, and that's the way I feel about but it. But you will if something you know, it did happen. It that way. Okay. And I will tell you right now, I, I work with a lot of the elderly, and I see what these doctors, I see doctors who, who will take the elderly and blow them off knowing that they're dying. And I will make a suggestion, this has happened more than once, that they get a second opinion. And by God, you know, they were, were going to die. And this guy over here was going to let them. So All you right. want to be... You want Keep, me Lisa, to go to some okay. wacko who's going to say, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. Charge me a million dollars, and I'm going to drop dead anyway. All right. Listen, thanks very much for your call. We'll uh, we'll put you down to someone who did, didn't like the opinion. She has to keep in mind, if something did happen, maybe tomorrow she's going to find out she has some kind of cancer or whatever. The one thing that she can do is go to the county hospital. And who's going to pay for that? Of course, all the other citizens right. are going to pay. That I understand. See, as an economist, I understand the problem. I'm just not happy with the mandate as this way that the government's going to going to think that they can make things less expensive and more efficient. Government has never done either one of those. Will in the Republicans in Congress will they move to try to undo this? And if so, how do they go about doing it? If uh, the one thing, speaking as a Republican who wants Romney to win, he better come into that election with a plan. In other words, it isn't enough to say I'm going to repeal it because there are some popular things because they're freebies, they're handouts. Right. Okay. So he has got to say, here's what I'm going to do instead. Without that, he really has nothing to offer. Right now, got to have a plan. And right now, the platform is very clear. If you listen to the the Republicans, they're very clear that the first thing to do is to undo the Affordable Care Act. But then, to your point, I completely agree. Got to have something. What next? Well, the point. 
mean, the points that you ticked off, the you know, the ability to have you know have your children stay on until the, what they're twenty five six. Yeah. I mean, and, and uh, existing conditions, pre existing conditions. There are there are two or three, four elements of this that are very popular. That that it's going to be tough for the Republicans to sort of pull that away. Although they're going to certainly, they certainly picked up the, on the on the tax issue, and they're going to play that as they generally do. One eight hundred seven two three eighty twenty nine from coast to coast and border to border. What's your opinion on the decision by the Supreme Court last week on Obamacare? What if the music stopped? If the familiar voices were silenced? If there were no breaking news updates? What if your companion and connection to your community came with a monthly fee? Don't worry, we're free local radio with you wherever you go. Celebrating 100 years and looking forward to the next 100. We are broadcasters. Text radio to 52886 and let Congress know you depend on your local TV and radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Tonight's recorded episode of Beyond the Beltway with Bruce Dumont is from the 2012 Radio Archives. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thanks very much for joining us this evening. Mark Whitty is joining us this evening. And for the last uh, 23 years, 
He has been a uh, lecturer and professor at uh, Northwestern University, where he deals with economic issues. Also joining us this evening is Michael Miller. For 32 years, he is an associate professor of economics at DePaul University. He hails from uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where I spent a part of the weekend. And also joining us is Michael Condren, and he is a healthcare expert, and he is a partner in the Newport Board Group, and in 50 words or less, what does your company do? Sure. Well, Newport Board Group actually helps entrepreneurial uh, companies throughout all the industries, but specifically helping in uh, uh, with entrepreneurial companies in healthcare, helping to create great solutions that address some of these fraud and abuse issues that we hear in Medicare, focusing on dual eligibles, and, and generally just helping companies become more aligned with uh, with the needs in, within. So healthcare. the Supreme Court decision, because a lot of small business people may be confused by by the split signals that the Supreme Court is sending that uh, you're right there to help them through it. We are not only with small business, but with some of the emerging uh, healthcare companies that are have been, quite frankly, sitting on the sidelines for a couple of years, waiting to see what was going to happen here. Uh, being able to now provide home-based care, for example, for seniors, some of the things you heard previous callers talk about, being able to help navigate issues with doctors uh, uh, and nurses and coordinate care more effectively. And you are an ice cream entrepreneur in Williams Bay, Wisconsin. Thank you. Yes, we just Boy, opened a new store. Boy, dream. You went Boy, into the ice cream business. Family business. Uh, called Dip in the Bay in Williams Bay, Wisconsin. Yes, and we're, we're so I'm a small business owner myself, and thinking about the ramifications of this for for our our store. Very good. At 49, would you hire a 50s? person and change fundamentally what you have to cover? Excellent question. Uh, we're we're lo- we're below 50, but I think that is is something that all small business owners are going to be oh. thinking about is uh, I'm, I'm at employee 49. And is there a deterrent to growing uh, to the 50th or the 51st and then and then now being eligible for this? That's uh, when everything kicks in. Yeah, 50 that's, employees. And even with the in number of employees, what if you have a very, very low a, a minimum wage employee? And do you have to provide them with health care? And just think what that does to the wage bill for that person. It makes it almost unreasonable for you to even hire them. In some cases, I that's true. Now, there, to your point, there are a number of exceptions under the Affordable Care Act that get to part-time employees. And, and, and really, that's what I like hearing in Congress right now is it really is time to roll up the sleeves and figure out now what this law means and how, in fact, we're actually going to implement yeah. it. So and that there's a lot of work to be done rather than focusing on should we repeal it. Now, let's really get to the heart of how does this actually get implemented and how do we in some cases, those small business owners are actually going to get a tax cut. Many of those part time employees, actually, if you look at the act, are going to get a tax break. So while we've been talking about whether there's a penalty or a shared responsibility payment, they're actually for those uh, like some of our previous callers will get some benefit and some tax break. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's embedded within the act. Let us go to Jim listening to us. 89 WLS, our flagship station in Chicago. Go ahead, Jim. You're on the air. Hi. I'm not a lawyer, but I do know that the law exists. As, it manifests itself as the written word. Very important. The Obama administration presented this thing to us using the word penalty. And what I don't understand is how can Roberts come down from Olympus and say, we know what you really meant. You really meant a tax, or it's really a tax. I mean, isn't that kind of fast and loose? Isn't that a whole Pandora's box where, uh, you know, in other cases they could say, oh, we know what you really meant. Mm. Uh, You know, it's important. They said penalty. 
So how can he? Just- all right, let's. All, all of our guests want to jump on that. Uh, Mike Miller first. Uh, just real quick, I, Obama was facing George Stephanopoulos, and Stephanopoulos said, "Hey, it's a tax," and he says, "Absolutely not." And George even got out the Merriam-Webster Webster dictionary, and he says, "You don't need to tell me that. I know it is not a tax." So I think this is a riot. No, but the fact that. The Supreme now, Court I, works on precedent, I, and there's extreme I, long precedent of I, all sorts of government acts that raise revenue um, I, by synonyms. I agree. So, I just, it, it's tax, just so yeah. funny that, that they, they absolutely insisted it was not a tax because he made a promise he would not tax people under $250,000, and now he has this huge tax increase. And so I just think Remember, it's, it's really not it. We're talking about 1% of people who decide not to participate. And, and all the Supreme Court has done, and I, I have practiced law for 10 years, and I've read the opinion, and what the opinion is really clear is under Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1, Congress had the authority to enact this. And, and here's what Article 1 says. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. It says Congress has the ability to lay and collect taxes, duties, imposts, and excises to pay the debts and provide for the common defense and general welfare of the United States. So I put a big highlight is, on well, general what, welfare because that's what, what this you, is. Would you acknowledge, though, that in so far, again, and we're, we're going we're to jump into the political side of this in the next hour, but from a political standpoint, uh, because of the things that we have of President Obama speaking on the record with the with the videotape rolling, don't the Republicans have the sound bites they need to really run with this? Absolutely, and we're not going to. But and from not, a political gonna, from a pol- political standpoint, this may be the best thing that Romney has going. It's for a him. wonderful soundbite. We do not cure dysfunctional health care payer systems with sound bites, and but that's the key. A, and that's what elections. Obama said. That's what President Obama said when he gave up and gave his comments. I know this won't be politically popular. I'm doing this for a much broader reason. This president has a vision beyond uh, a soundbite, yeah, and it, it is it is to enact legislation. It's to enact legislation that is going to be broader than than these first four years and and these next four years and remember romney, well, remember, romney, romney has raised 4.6 million dollars after the supreme wait, court i have to, I have to follow up on that one second ahead, you can in 2008 romney i'm sorry obama's explicitly ran on no mandate that i mean yeah. um that um, edwards right. and clinton both came out mm-hmm. said yeah we need a mandate right. abs- or obama's like absolutely not and, yeah. Change around. We all know and, the and political McCain process. ran on attacks yeah. on large insurance plans, but, and Obama's like, no, we so can't So this do was that. change we can't believe in. Is that what well, you're saying? But, I think it's adapting to, to circumstances. If you're a, if you're a lawyer, is, has there been a tax ever on inaction? It's always thinking about income. You earn income. You, you do something. They tax you. I have a cell phone. They tax me. I have a cable. They tax me. I have a car. They tax me. You're absolutely right. Under the Commerce Clause, and that, that was – so this opinion focused on two issues, and on the mm-hmm. Commerce Clause – the the act lost. It was determined that there is no authority under the Commerce Clause Good. to enact. And that was, by Thank the way, goodness. a very uh, 20 years from now, we're going to be looking at this opinion. The opinion pleased. on a conservative side is phenomenal. Yeah. For the Commerce Clause, it is really clear you cannot tax inaction. And, and the analogy the Supreme but Court used was, what about eating healthy? It actually, and this comes from the opinion, it says the failure of Americans to eat healthy and their diet is more costly than the failure of the uninsured to purchase insurance. That doesn't mean under the Commerce Clause, however, that we have the authority to tax mm-hmm. or to force you to buy broccoli. And that was the big issue. Should They're, I buy broccoli? They'll, they'll, they'll be charging more to, to buy certain foods in the future. That, that's where I think some of the liberal thinking is going. Daryl in Redding, California on KQMS. Nice to hear from Northern California tonight. Good, morning. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yes, my uh, comments are, one, is there anybody 
the facts that thinks that the Obamacare is the greatest thing since tissue paper, I want to know, any of them, if they've read the whole care program. And if it's such a fantastic program, why did Congress exempt themselves? And is my understanding they exempted the uh, president and, and all of his minions, and they don't have... They're not covered under this. And, you know, it just, uh, my understanding, I'm 74 years old, and I understand that in a few years I'm going to have to, under that program, go to an end-of-life counseling. Yes, you are. And I do understand that also in the program is that if my doctor says, oh, you really need a hip replacement, it has to go to a panel to decide whether... There's enough usable life left in me to warrant this kind of an expenditure. All right, Michael, stay, stay on the line because Michael Condren has read it. Uh, can you speak to the, just to this person's end-of-life hip replacement? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the biggest threats and the biggest issue as I read the bill and as, as it was debated was that there would be this so-called death panel. Uh, I see no evidence of that in this bill. What and, and as the act was legislated, where you're going to have issues, where we're all going as a society to have to think about is is the decisions that are made that are already being made uh, whether it by, be by health insurance or by Social Security and, and your Medicare Advantage plan that you may have. And so as it stands, that the bill, the Affordable Care Act, does nothing towards enacting a, uh, a panel to make decisions about life or death. What it de- really deals with is how we pay for societal cost of health care. And, and, and that's only step one. There's a lot more work to be done. And, and I don't think there's anyone uh, on the legislative side that feels very uh, strongly that there should be the government making decisions about life or death when it comes to health care. Let's go to John in Northbrook, Illinois, at 89 WLS on Coast to Coast. Go ahead. You're on Beyond the Beltway. Hi, guys. Hello. It's just, you know, both of these decisions today or this week, it seems to me that we've incentivized uh, really the the Spanish coming or the, the labs coming over the border and getting health care, free health care. And you can't tell me that that's not going to happen because it's happening right now. So what is that going to do to our economy when we have some of the sickest people coming from around the world to come here, stay here and get the best health care in the world? And who's going to pay for it? That's it's my question. One of the fundamental issues we're going to have to face as a people is that we're now going to add all these people supposedly to the health care situation. We have no more doctors than we did yesterday, no more hospital beds, no more nurses. We're going to have to somehow allocate the resources. We either do it through price or we do it through quantity. And one way that we can do it is that all of us who have some money, we can go and see a doctor immediately. Now we won't be able to do that. It's just, it is physically impossible to add all these people. You mentioned only 1% will have to pay the tax. But supposedly I was told that's 1% of the total population, which is 3 million people. Right. But supposedly there are 40 million who are uninsured. So these 37 million are going to be added. There's going to be no tax that they're going to pay. They're uninsured, but it doesn't mean they're not seeing physicians. I understand, but they're going to, but when it's free, so to speak, there you know that this raises the number of times that you will go to a physician. We have got to face that someday we're going to be told you're, you, you can't have the hip replacement. I'm sorry, we just don't have the reason. I want to get that reaction from our other guests when we come back. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for being with us tonight. This is the story of a very special woman. 
In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. You are listening to a recorded edition of Beyond the Beltway with Bruce Dumont from the 2012 Radio Archives. Bruce Dumont back from the National Radio Hall of Fame at the Museum of Broadcast Communications in Chicago. And uh, this past week we announced uh, the inductees for 2012. And topping our list of inductees is Howard Stern, uh, the shock jock. Uh, extraordinaire will be one of our inductees, Gary Burbank, one of the legendary broadcasters in the history of Cincinnati radio. Uh, likewise, Ron Chapman, uh, who is an icon of magnitude in Dallas. Jack Cooper, who was the first African-American disc jockey back in the 30s in Chicago. Art LeBeau, the man that uh, uh, really the inventor of the oldies but goodies format, uh, including uh, oldies but goodies as a as a 
catchphrase, again, legendary broadcaster in Southern California, and Luther Massinghill from Chattanooga, Tennessee. He has been the morning man in Chattanooga, Tennessee for 70 years. Again, a legendary throughout the entire state of Tennessee and fresh air with Terry Gross, uh, one of the best interviewers in the history of the medium. Uh, They will be the class of 2012. And again, the event is going to be on Saturday, November 10th, right here at the Museum of Broadcast Communications in Chicago, starting at 6.30. Tickets are $350. Get them now. They're going to move fast. You can go to museum.tv, and in the weeks to come, we'll be telling you a little bit more about uh, what's going to take place with the rest of the broadcast. But again, uh, Saturday, November 10th, Howard Stern inducted into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Let's go to Steve listening to us on the Internet in Los Angeles. Go ahead. You're on the air. Hello, folks. Hello. Well, I just wanted to bring up the point that, as your guests were saying earlier, if you drive without insurance and you get caught, you're going to pay a penalty, right? Right. It's not a tax. The difference is we all have health. It's not like it's an option. I don't have to have health, whereas driving a car is. So, therefore, if you don't have health insurance, you have to pay a penalty. It's just that easy. I mean, and, and that our small business owner earlier called and said that she's never, you know, had to have insurance her entire life. Well, you know, one of these days something will happen. She's going to have a stroke. She probably won't even know it. And she's going to wake up in a hospital. And it's just going to be like it always has been. We all have to pay for her because she doesn't think that she's, anything's ever going to happen to her. Well, that's just how it used to be with auto insurance before we finally decided that if we don't have auto insurance, we're going to make you pay more than it costs to buy the insurance. And that's really what you have to do. But this, you, this you have penalty to... Here, that, Go ahead, Mike. You have to pay because you own a car and you decided to drive. The difference here health? is that there's a penalty and you are paying it just because you are you. You are you doing it health? even... Uh, it, it's irrelevant. You are you. It's not irrelevant. You no. can't ignore the argument. No, you of course. That, uh, uh, yes, I do. But of course, what if I may, what if I what if I don't use health? What if I decided not to use it? What if I and have then a religious? And you get hit by a bus, and then you get hit by a bus. Well, then and it, you're just it, like all the other free riders out there. No. somebody has to pay for it. All right, listen. No. Thanks for your call. Let's move on to Bob in Boise, Idaho, listening to us on KBOI. Nice to hear from Idaho tonight. Go ahead, Bob. Are you there? I have a question. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, you say there's uh, one of your commentators said that only 1% are affected. There's over 200 taxes in the bill. There's a dividend tax. There's a Medicare tax. Yep. Uh, if you've read Stephen Moore's column, uh, 75% of the taxes will be paid by the middle class. Everybody under $125,000 a year will be paying more in taxes. Uh, I'd like to hear an explanation why. All right, let's let let's let let's let Michael uh, Condren uh, respond to that. Stay on the line, Bob. And what well, Bob, what we were talking about earlier was the shared responsibility payment. And the projection there is that approximately one percent of U.S. will pay for that. You are correct. 
what, what, what most of this act deals with is how we apportion the cost of health care. And so in some cases, there are adjustments. In many of those cases, let's not forget, there's an enormous expansion. tax increases. Not necessarily. Actually, in some cases, there's a tax cut. And so for people with, uh, in, in some uh, folks in the middle class, uh, will actually get a tax cut as a result of this act. And so here it is. It's a rebate. Five percent of the taxes will be paid by people earning under one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars a year. That's a tax increase for seventy-five percent of the taxes are going to come from the middle class and the poor. That's that's absolutely not true. In fact, the Medicaid uh, now is being expanded, so more people will be covered. In fact, some some Americans in the middle class will be getting a rebate. Pay for that. Yep. I mean, I, 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 I mean, the, at the core so here's here, who pays we're, for we're, we're, yeah. we're at, at the core here is yeah. we are expanding medical coverage for people who cannot, right. who have chosen not to participate, and 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 the rest well, the rest of the people are going to pay for one it. One more comment. Yeah, you can sure. but I want to let no, Mike no, respond fair, to that. Fair enough. I mean, there are for all the for all the liberals there they're going to now be helping to subsidize rush limbaugh's health insurance you know, it's interesting, though. Let's go back to this. It's so funny. Rush will pay his own. Yeah. Yes, and and health care, let's, let's keep, keep in mind, health care should not be partisan. I know it is right now because everything is partisan. But, but quite frankly, we're focusing on people that right now don't have coverage in our system. And as society, we pay for it. Whether you're liberal, Democrat, moderate, mm-hmm. it does not matter. And that's what's so neat about this opinion is Justice yeah. Roberts crossed over political lines to focus on the fact that you know, the Affordable Care Act should not be overturned. And that's Mitch what happened. McConnell, uh, the uh, head of the Republicans in the Senate, said today uh, it's just going to take 51 votes uh, to uh, repeal and replace uh, health care law. And it's the centerpiece of Barack Obama's presidency. We knew it was going to come down to a big vote. And the big vote, uh, we've already heard the Supreme Court vote, but the big vote is coming in November. And again, if the Republicans can get control of the House, the Senate, and the president. This thing is going to be overturned and replaced. And uh, between Mm -hmm. now and then, there's going to be a lot of discussion. And the Republicans are going to have to be very deaf. I mean, it it isn't just the tax issue that they can run on. They've got to be able to explain, explain to a lot of people some of the elements of this Obamacare bill are popular. And so there has to be a replacement. What's going to happen? Or are they going to throw some of those elements out? And if they do... Maybe the political price they pay will be very, very high. 1-800-723-8289 is the telephone number. We're going to keep this conversation going in the next hour. If you're watching us on television, we'll see you next week. But if you're listening to us on radio, keep the calls coming. Thanks to our guests for being with us. Many of them will be back for the next hour. Until then, this is Bruce Dumont. Stay right where you are if you're listening to us on radio. Since the moment you were born, I've made a thousand wishes. Wishes for your future in a world that's changing fast. For all of the things you may one day do. Do play and laugh. Do win and lose. Do learn from your mistakes. And challenge yourself to grow. Do not be afraid. Or make decisions based in fear. Do it all with confidence and with kindness and strength. Do call your mom and ask her for advice. And always do your best to remember that no matter what you do in this life, 
Standing up for what's right. Helping out when things go wrong. Raising our voices alone or together. Seeking the truth and speaking our minds. Not just making records, but breaking them. Fighting for victory on the battlefield and on the playing field. Seeing the world through new eyes and the earth from miles above. Redefining beauty, brains, and what it really means to be queen. Making ourselves heard on stage and on screen. Showing the way in Silicon Valley and showing up for others wherever help is needed most. Not just making our mark, but making a difference. Now that's a job for a Girl Scout. Girl Scouts, preparing girls for a lifetime of leadership. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career I can be proud of and supporting my family. America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives. I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV, we're on a mission to help veterans get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran, and my victory was finishing my education. DAV offers veterans of all generations a lifetime of support for victories great and small. My victory was proving that disability is not a limitation. My victory was getting my service dog and new best friend. We help more than a million veterans every year as they face and conquer their challenges. My victory is being able to be there for my family. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. When disaster strikes, keeping in touch with family and friends and reaching public safety officials is critical. To prepare for power outages caused by severe weather or other conditions, you should create an emergency communication plan. First, Check important cell phone contacts, including doctors, veterinarians, utilities, and insurance companies, and note local non-emergency numbers. Store at least one contact as in case of emergency, and make sure that person knows if you have medical issues. Also, make sure everyone in your house knows how to text. Check backup batteries for all your phones and fully charge cell phones, batteries, and rechargers. Sign up to receive mobile phone alerts. Back up and print out important personal data. You might buy a battery-operated, solar-powered, or hand-cranked radio or portable TV to monitor news. Start preparing today. For more info, go to FCC.gov emergency. Tonight's recorded episode of Beyond the Beltway with Bruce Dumont is from the 2012 Radio Archives. Live from Chicago, this is Bruce Dumont. We continue with hour number two of Beyond the Beltway. Tonight featuring commentary by economist Michael Miller of DePaul University and Mark Witte from Northwestern University. And also joined by author and lecturer R. Craig Sauter, also teaches at DePaul University. And uh, Craig, nice to have you with us on uh, Beyond the Beltway. Our program coming to you from our brand new home at the Museum of Broadcast 
Communications in Chicago now open from Tuesday through Saturday from 10 in the morning to 5 the night. So if you uh, if you are in the area, come on by and see the new Radio Hall of Fame and Museum of Broadcast Communications. Our phone lines toll free. They are open at 1-800-723-8289. That's 1-800-723-8289. If you'd like to send us an email message, btb at museum.tv, and if you'd like to join us on the World Wide Web, www.beyondthebeltway.com. We are continuing our discussion of the Supreme Court decision last week on Obamacare. And before we go too much further, because uh, tonight we're going to talk about sort of the political ramifications, in addition, last the last hour is pretty much on the specifics of uh, how it affects uh, health care in the country. Uh, our Greg Sauter joins us, and I want to get his take on, uh, on not only that decision, but the other the big decision last week was uh, in the Arizona immigration law, in which where large sections of the law were thrown out. But probably the most controversial aspect of the law, which allows police officers to stop and ask for a documentation uh, from people who they suspect could be illegal immigrants, uh, that stands and uh, so, again, a sort of a split decision. It's likely to not only send the issue of illegal immigration back for state legislatures to f- deal with, but obviously uh, with the decision uh, on Obamacare, that, too, is being sent back. So uh, to some respects, I guess you could say the Supreme Court somewhat punted and threw it back into the political arena. And that's the arena where you spent a great deal of time, Craig, uh, writing numerous books, including uh, the history of political conventions. So uh, uh, of those decisions, uh, which which is the most politically divisive or the the one that is the likely game changer for either party as you see it? Well, I think clearly the health care decision is the one that uh, just captivated the country for almost a whole year of debate. People are invested in a big time on both sides of the issue. Uh, I think it was a a big uh, initial victory for uh, President Obama because it uh, reversed uh, maybe two months of downward news and uh, the the troops were becoming very dispirited about the possibility of the victory there. Um, on the other hand, uh, it certainly has ramped up the uh, intensity on both sides here. When you say a political victory for the president, uh, Romney has reported that he's raised that he raised four point six million dollars after the Supreme Court ruling in five and ten dollar denominations, uh, showing some support uh, and strength in the in the in the smaller fundraisers, which is something that he's not been very successful. Does that? indicate that that maybe there's some very positive aspects insofar as rallying the troops that that Romney has going for him and he and he has an issue a better issue now that he did uh well, definitely. I think uh, one thing that's happened is the Tea Party has folded in uh, into the Republican tent and the Occupy movement has uh, folded into the Democratic tent. So the um, the troops on both sides are really uh, they're ready to go. And it's going to bring a greater turnout in this election and more intensity in the debate. Mike Miller, are you concerned, and this was something that Rick Santorum said during the primary season, he just said that, you know, the 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 Obamacare should be the singular issue that people should be talking about in addition to jobs. Mm-hmm. But that Mitt Romney just he's he's the wrong messenger to carry that case. Do you think do you believe that? 
I we're going to find out, aren't we, in the next couple of months, as I mentioned on the first hour, this this is his chance. If he can come into this election with a plan, if he can get some good people to help him decide how should we approach this to replace it once we get rid of it. He if he can pull that off and he's done a lot of things with the Olympics and he I understand I'm not from Massachusetts. But he was a decent governor. He's a he seems to be a good capitalist. But how, but, but how does he had a how, how does he how does he answer the question that, you know what? Um, I had, you know, I did this idea in Massachusetts. It's been successful. And oh, by the way, if I'm elected president, I'm going to repeal and replace it. How does that, that's, uh, how does that message? I agree with you. If you have any kind of uh, uh, scruples, that does, will will bother anybody. And I, I, I get the point, but something that could work on a state level. A state is different than a federal government. And I just think that at the federal level, it's going to be a little bit different. Yeah, Art actually, Whitty? doesn't that affirm yeah. his position that a good governor can lead uh, uh, health care reform and make it work? And uh, he could try other something other than, than the, the way they've set up this Obamacare. We can, but it's certainly not, it's not a line in the sand, Mark, is it? I mean, it seems to me that, that Romney is somewhat trapped by his own actions. It, 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 he certainly has a long track record of taking very, you know, from an economic standpoint, a lot of very reasonable positions that are now anathema to the Republican Party. Positions that, when he took them, were perfectly fine within the Republican mm-hmm. Party, but the Republican Party has moved away from them. Let's go to Salinas, California, where Michael is listening to us on KION. Go ahead, you're on the air. Uh, yes, um, one, uh, one other constitutional issue which I haven't heard very many people discuss is that if this is a tax, this Obamacare institutes a tax, how can a tax uh, bill originate in the Senate? Tax bills are supposed well, to originate in the House. I, I heard that same argument that, of course, you are correct, that all, all uh, tax revenues must emanate from the House. But I was told that, in fact, there was a House Absolutely. version Absolutely. The House, where it started. The, the House version went first. Right. And, and I don't think that Congress is that stupid. That I hope they're not that stupid. No. I mean, the Constitution is very clear where all taxes must come from. David in Crystal Lake, Illinois, uh, you're on uh, Beyond the Beltway. Go ahead. You're on the air. Well, hi, Bruce. Thanks hi. for having me on. Hi. Um, I'd like to point out that I, I believe, uh, contrary to what's being promised, um, Obamacare is going to lead to a lot fewer people buying insurance. Um, and I'd be a good example. I've always had insurance. It's been high-deductible insurance. I have a $5,500 deductible. Mm-hmm. And so in the last 20 years, um, I've been paying in and supporting the system, but I've never had insurance pay anything for me. Wow. And, um, so, uh, and it's always been the threat of catastrophic loss that's kept me in the insurance program. Now, with Obamacare, um, if I can go in with a pre-existing condition, I don't really need to maintain insurance. Um, I can wait until I have a problem, or I think there's a problem on the horizon, mm-hmm. and I can buy insurance yeah. at that time. Yeah, that's what we call an economics adverse election, that people will, well, the people who most need something are the ones who are going to sign up for it, and they can wait to the last minute. And, and that's an economic issue that's going to have to be dealt with. Ad, adverse election is definitely the problem. But that's the point of the mandate. Right. I understand that that's the point of the mandate. And also of the increased uh, penalties each year. Yeah. Yeah, but but see, I pay a lot more in, in insurance. I pay, yeah. Right now I'm paying $8,000 a year. Yeah. So over the course of the last 20 years, which I've drawn nothing out, um, 
I've been pay, I've paid in you know well over a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. See, what you're doing is exactly what insurance was always intended for, which is a catastrophic outcome like this. It was never intended like with auto insurance. They don't fill the gas tank for you. They don't do the oil changes. But somehow with health insurance, we made it to the point where they take care of everything, and that's really not insurance in the standard. Term. David, thanks very much for your call. 1-800-723-8029. Taking America's political pulse from coast to coast and border every Sunday night. Now in our 32nd year on the air. Nice to have you with us tonight. Standing up for what's right. Helping out when things go wrong. Raising our voices alone or together. Seeking the truth and speaking our minds. Not just making records, but breaking them. Fighting for victory on the battlefield and on the playing field. Seeing the world through new eyes and the earth from miles above. Redefining beauty, brains, and what it really means to be queen. Making ourselves heard on stage and on screen. Showing the way in Silicon Valley and showing up for others wherever help is needed most. Not just making our mark, but making a difference. Now that's a job for a Girl Scout. Girl Scouts, preparing girls for a lifetime of leadership. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career I can be proud of and supporting my family. America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives. I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV, we're on a mission to help veterans get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran, and my victory was finishing my education. DAV offers veterans of all generations a lifetime of support for victories great and small. My victory was proving that disability is not a limitation. My victory was getting my service dog a new best friend. We help more than a million veterans every year as they face and conquer their challenges. My victory is being able to be there for my family. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
You're listening to a recorded edition of Beyond the Beltway with Bruce Dumont from the 2012 Radio Archives. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, Mitt Romney uh, at the uh, the other evening in a fundraising uh, event after uh, the Supreme Court decided uh, or made their decision. He said, I think people recognize that if you want to replace Obamacare, you've got to replace President Obama. And the urgency of doing that is something which is galvanizing people across the country. This, by the way, has led to four point six million dollars coming in in small donations. Romney went on to say, I think many people assume that the Supreme Court would do the work that was necessary in repealing Obamacare. It did not get that job done. We're going to get that job done. So uh, he feels that this is uh, uh, given him an opportunity to uh, to, uh, again, continue to sort of not jumpstart his campaign. But he's he has an issue now that uh, perhaps wasn't as clear a couple of weeks ago. Uh, there were a couple of other big winners. You wanted to talk, uh, Mark Whitty, about the insurance industry. And, uh, uh, Michael, you wanted to talk about, uh, you know, wh- where are all the doctors going to come from. Let's talk about the, the big windfall for the insurance industry on this decision. Mark? Well, so the insurance industry is an interesting business that you, I like to contrast it with, say, the pizza business. If I order a pizza, the guy who sells pizza doesn't get all paranoid. Why does he want a pizza? He knows I want to eat a pizza and I'll pay for it. With the insurance industry, there's this fear that you know if somebody comes forward and says, "I want to buy insurance." If you're insured, you're wondering why does he want insurance? Oh dear, does you know, what does he know about himself that I don't know and that I wish I hadn't insured him? And so with and, and if you're insurer that isn't careful about that, you will fill up with all the high risk patients and you'll have high costs and go bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the insurance companies sort of love this, that they're, the risk is shared all around, that people are mandated to get insurance, so they're going to be buying more insurance, which is terrific. And the insurance companies won't be worrying, like, why is this guy buying insurance? Oh, because there's a mandate. And so you, you get a population buying your insurance that's closer to the population average, and so you can set premiums that are close to the average risk for the population. And so there's a win because you know, people are going to be buying more private insurance, and there's going to be a win because insurance companies won't have to do as much screening. What is likely to happen with the rates? Uh, again, uh, if we were to compare the rates now to the rates in 2014, when all ele- when all element of, of elements of Obamacare are triggered, would it be better to buy that insurance now or later? Where, when will the premiums be lowest? Now or then? Mm. Well, if you're buying on in the individual markets, it'll be lower then. Um, if you're like me. I don't think it'll change it at In all. In other words, they won't be jacking up those prices when you get closer to the starting point well, because or the penalty it'll be, point. Well, it'll be bringing in lower-risk people into the insurance pool. So it should have downward pressure on premiums because it'll be have, having healthier people buying insurance. And how do we know those actually get passed on? For example, you said the risk uh, screening, things like that, that insurance companies have to do. How do we know that they just say, well, still, we, we have these unanticipated costs and we, can't really, we can't really cut it down. And, I believe competition. And, yeah, but yeah. Uh, competition isn't there collusion between all these oh, companies anyway? Jeez. Well, then do it across state lines and that would take care of some of the problems. Yeah, there's you, problems uh, with that. Yeah. Uh, Mike, uh, Mike Miller of DePaul also, uh, this is something you've said a couple of times during the break, and it's something that uh, several years ago on this program uh, we talked about in the early d- stages of, of the discussion of, of, of national health care. And that is whether or not the, there's enough doctors out mm-hmm. there to deal with this huge flood of, of, of rushes to the, to the doctor and mm-hmm. to hospitals yeah. that this is going to result. I mean, I, I, I can't believe that anyone doesn't realize there's going to be a rush on doctors' offices, mm-hmm. hospitals. Mm-hmm. What's it going to do to the cost of, of running 
a hospital, and where are all these medically trained people going to come from? I I wish I knew. It's going to get even worse because uh, we're, we keep getting older. So the the uh, senior citizens of the baby boom, we're going to demand more more health care. That's going to be and an doctors issue. Doctors are saying that they that, that they may leave the profession yeah. because of the, the Obamacare bill. Because one reason is that one way to cut cost of not necessarily the price, but to cut the cost of medical care is to simply pay doctors less for whatever they're doing. And that all. Uh, but why should I go to med school? Have to come out with a couple hundred thousand dollars in, in student loans to be told that I'm going to only make an average salary because we want to keep the cost of health care down. 30,000 new doctors is estimated what they need. What, what, where are they going to come from? Where yeah, the nursing schools are packed already. So source one is we're building more med schools. Right. Yeah. Well, source we'll two is Ghana, the Philippines, you know, that, the that is, medical graduates. That's what they do in Britain. They, they that's have what we doctors do here. We're going to med schools. More foreign doctors. More foreign doctors. More foreign doctors. Yep. That's what they have in Britain. Lots we have and lots here. Of well, if we have scholarships for uh, students, there's a lot of people who want to become doctors. So really? but maybe there, never. there has to be some connection between what you have to pay in terms of time, lost income, and tuition, and what you get paid when you come out. And why should you bother becoming a doctor if you're not going to make enough money to justify well, the you time read, and expense? I mean, you probably write uh, letters of recommendation for medical school, and you read these students' essays. Mm-hmm. Is it all about? Man, I want to make bank, or is it? I feel this need to serve my fellow man. Yeah. Let us head to Brian in Death Valley, California, listening to us on KQMS. I believe this is the first call we've ever had from Death Valley. Go ahead, Brian. Well, this isn't Death Valley; it's Grass Valley. Oh, oh Grass Valley! <laughs> oh. Hang up on him. Oh. <laughs> Now let me ask you. I just want you to know that why do they why do they call it Grass Valley? Why do they call it Grass Valley? Conservative Republican, and I really have a lot of mixed emotions. Um, I'm uh, I know of a lady, uh, a little older lady. She got ill. Hospital is suing her for one hundred forty thousand dollars. She was ill for a matter of a couple of weeks. She got better. She went home. She had has a modest home. Okay. I don't understand. This is this is not right. There's something wrong with that. I've done some research, and from what I understand, if a hospital bills a hundred thousand dollar bill, they settle with an insurance company for twenty five thousand. Okay. God bless. God love our doctors, our nurses, and all of those people. But but why is there not any discussion? about the big business of medical care, I, I mean, of, of running hospitals and such. I know it costs a lot of money. I, I was in business for a time myself. I do know it, it costs a lot of money. But I have to tell you, as a conservative, why, why don't we have uh, someone like Mr. Romney or something, or, or uh, one of these individuals uh, coming up with some other, uh, other plan um, uh, as, as opposed to Obama, but we have to have something. I mean, what about the young person that's out crazy on a motorcycle, gets a head injury and costs $400,000 to care for? I mean, we need something at least like a $10,000 deductible, something like that. And, and for me personally, I don't think this is a liberal issue. I think this is a, con- a conservative fiscal issue that actually uh, would save our, our government money because if we have a $10,000 deductible on everyone, the government then on this uh, crazy young kid on a motorcycle would only have to pay ten grand. Uh, you're, you're making a, a, a lot of sense in terms of the idea of the uh, catastrophic outcome. 
One of the problems we face, even I think in the health insurance that I have, there's certain things that the university must provide me because they're told so by the state. And maybe I would never use uh, any kind of uh, acupuncture, but they're told you must include this. My wife and I are in our late 50s. We're not going to have any more children, but we have to carry maternity. I understand we've got to spread the risks and so forth. But why isn't it not possible this woman with 140000 could there not have been an insurance product that she could have bought that would have taken care of the catastrophic outcome with a very high deductible and she would pay very little for it and she would probably be willing to pay very little for it. And, and, and so the insurance part has been lost because we want people to have more health care because it sounds so good and it sounds like you're going to get things for free. If we can go back to a more like a, a, a an insurance centered idea of the catastrophic outcome, I think we would have much more affordable health care. I mean, to follow up on that, I wonder what kind of car she drove. Yeah. And there are cars that have everything. They're pimped out. Right. And there's cars that are very basic. And right. yeah, she probably drove a very basic car, and she would have liked to have bought an insurance policy with all these mandates on it. Exactly. And even with, with uh, auto insurance, once you've paid off your car, you don't have to insure that car. You just have to insure yourself that you hurt somebody else they're taken care of. Well, so you- to, that call, to, the, to, the, to the caller who called in in our first hour... Uh, who who was just outraged at at this decision? She would have she would say to your uh, your 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 lady friend, uh, "Too bad, she's out of luck. Right? She didn't she didn't plan right. The heck with her." Well, I think that that we could, if there was a little more creativity in the insurance market, and maybe a little less. I don't want to say regulation because that's not the right word, but just the allowance to create different products. Let's go to Gary in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, listening to us on WRNN. Go ahead. You're on the air. Yeah, I tell you, I could debate with you guys on so many different issues, but I'm going to get it done. There's two things I want to mention. Uh, the second item is the one I really caught in, but uh, listening to you talk, I came up with something else. Name one program that the government has run and run successfully. Number two if it's a tax that they've judged on, the Supreme Court's judged on, well, we pay for this. Are we paying the Internal Revenue Service? Yes. Because that's where our taxes go. Yes. Well, that, that, that's, where, that's where this will be paid. Yeah. That's my understanding. And the well. investigations will be done by the IRS. And even our favorite, uh, of course, the military, uh, there's a lot of inefficiency in the military. My brother was in a, he was a West Point graduate, and he left after 10 years because it was just so militaristic. I mean, there was just so many inefficiencies and so forth. And, and uh, so even the thing that we have to do based upon the, uh, to protect ourselves against foreign enemies, we don't, the government doesn't do it all that well because, like Milton Friedman used to say, it is a case of you, of someone spending someone else's money on someone else. And you don't look at quality and you don't look at and price. We have the corruption uh, possibility at the state level. In states, many states are known for corruption. Oh, yes. <laughs> Gary, let me ask you this question. I don't know what you have. Fortunately, we don't have that problem in Illinois. Gary, let me ask you the question because it, it speaks to a, a caller we had in the, in the last hour, and that is. Do you think government has any responsibility at all to take care of people who can't afford to take care of themselves? Yes or no? I I, I do think that there is some responsibility there, but uh, not to the extreme that we are carrying it. Okay, Uh, thanks very much for your call. 1-800-723-8029 from coast to coast and border to border. Lots of calls tonight. We will have more of them when we roll on from the Museum of Broadcast Communications on State Street at Great Street in Chicago.
What if the music stopped? If the familiar voices were silenced? If there were no breaking news updates? What if your companion and connection to your community came with a monthly fee? Don't worry, we're free local radio with you wherever you go. Celebrating 100 years and looking forward to the next 100. We are broadcasters. Text radio to 52886 and let Congress know you depend on your local TV and radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov/the-right-seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov/the-right-seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. I'm um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, don't tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp. Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or uh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Tonight's recorded episode of Beyond the Beltway with Bruce Dumont is from the 2012 Radio Archives. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago, and uh, Mark Mitty is Mark Witty is with us this evening. He is a uh, lecturer, senior uh, lecturer. A distinguished senior lecturer at Northwest University. He's been there for 23 years, uh, hails from uh, St. Louis, Missouri originally. Mike Miller is originally from Pittsburgh for 32 years. He has been an associate professor of economics at DePaul University and a fellow, a fellow colleague from DePaul also is a, a longtime lecturer there, R. Craig Sauter. He has also written numerous books on politics, including uh, the definitive history on 
conventions inside uh, the wigwam inside the wigwam about conventions in Chicago and you've written a number of books on other cities uh, where they have their uh, their conventions Philadelphia New York Philadelphia and just to name a few so they are the guests around the table this evening and uh, uh, we're going to go back to calls in just a moment but uh, I had an interesting experience uh, somewhat uh, political on the uh, over the weekend I went to visit a friend uh, in Ohio and when I was in Ohio it was uh, uh, you know in the uh, uh, area around East Liverpool and, and Lisbon, Ohio. And uh, I checked into the motel, and the young lady at the motel said, oh, she was all excited. She was all all excited. She said, Jerry Springer's here. Jerry Springer's here. I said, oh, really? Well, Jerry is uh, a good friend. And so I said, well, where's Jerry? He says, well, he's at the end of the parking lot. You see that big red limousine? He's, he's over there at the restaurant uh, having dinner. So I decided to walk across because obviously I know him. So I walk across and uh, he is there speaking to the Columbiana County Democratic Party, a little political fundraiser for uh, that he was there to support. So I walked in and said hello to Jerry and talked a little bit about uh, Ohio politics for a while. And then uh, yesterday, as I'm coming home, I'm obviously at the Pittsburgh airport because I had flown into Pittsburgh, which is really one of the nicest airports uh, in the country. Easy, easy to use. And I'm going through my uh, my TSA check. And who is in front of me? But Lynn Swan, <laughs> who ran for governor a couple of uh, uh, years, several years ago. And I asked him if he was ever going to run again. He said, perhaps. And then we got into a discussion of Obama. He, he, he lambasted Obama and Obamacare and the Supreme Court decision. And so uh, uh, running into uh, the two of the uh, most famous people probably from Ohio, the most famous one of the most famous broadcasters from Ohio in Ohio, and then one of the great football players uh, at the airport in P- Pittsburgh. So that's my brush with fame this week. And did now, you, you get an indication of how Ohio is going to go? Think, well, I, I asked uh, the question I asked of Lynn Swan. I said, can can Romney win uh, you know, uh, win uh, win Pennsylvania? And he said that he thought it could because the the economy it's it's a jobless recovery primarily in the western part of the state, which Pittsburgh is in the western part of uh, of that state, and obviously uh, Eastern Ohio is very much like Western Pennsylvania so far as sort of the uh, the towns that have been hit hard. But uh, uh, there's also a lot of uh, uh, fracking going on in the uh, in the area around Lisbon. So that's uh, the operator of the motel was just saying that sometimes it's very difficult to to book rooms because there's so much increased business there. So that's a sign that maybe some some important things are are going on in that that region. But anyway, that was my my brush with fame this past week. I don't think they're going back telling the story that they (laughs) You don't know. They may be listening to POTUS. You never know. Dan in uh, Mount Prospect, Illinois. You're on WLS and you're on Coast to Coast. Yeah, hi. I was uh, really interested in that story about famous people. I meet them every day, roofers and the carpenters that I work with. Anyhow, um, I'm an old-timer in the late 50s, make uh, 70000 I'm self-employed. I have catastrophic uh, health care insurance now. Will I be able to continue that under the new plan? My understanding is that everybody's going to be able to keep whatever they have. Uh, that this uh, is, no, yeah. is that a fact or not? Because I've, I've read the bill and it yeah. says that I have to take the plans that are approved. My plan presently oh. is a $50,000 $50, deductible. Wow. If I, well, yeah, because I'm an old-timer. I make sixty, seven grand a year. And if I was in a normal health care plan for me, my wife and one child, it would be about 1600 bucks. A month, a month, right? And I, yeah, right. I mean, you guys right. are in a different sphere than me. Yeah. And I, I have two homes, so obviously I would lose my homes. 
so the point is I have catastrophic so that if something very horrible happens to me, then they take me in, the 50000 would be gone, and my wife would remortgage my house. You don't know how many tens of thousands of people are in that situation, and yeah, all right. we want to know is, and nobody will answer it, will we be able to keep our plan? Boy, I wish I knew. You don't know. Mark? Mark? No, I don't know. I mean, your, well, your, your okay. concern is that your plan is too minimalist to qualify for um, No, my, my, my question is not minimalist. I know what the word means. My question is, will I be able to keep my plan? And nobody can tell me. I mean, sure. I, I mean, it's a private contract between you and your insurer. I mean, what the it's Affordable Care Act is intended to do is get people who don't have insurance to buy insurance. And okay, so the question so would be, is your plan too skimpy for, to qualify? And I, well, that, I doubt it. My question is, will I be able to keep my plan? And, and nobody can tell me. The second part is, my sister-in-law lives in Massachusetts. They love that plan that everybody is putting down. Will that be eliminated through Obamacare? No. You're well, saying the Massachusetts, the Romney Care, is that going to be... Um, eliminated? No. Uh, what are you basing that on? In other, in other words, the federal law does does not uh, supersede a state law. Well, I mean, no, f- I'm, I'm asking what you basing it is. It's, state, it's a state example of what they want to set up. Okay, but 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 oh, okay. the, the, so call, the call the caller is asking the question is yeah. because of the Supreme Court decision, which is now the law of the land. Does mm-hmm. do, will that supersede? The way that it's being administered. So, no, in so, I mean, the, the, the plan, the plan essentially requires that all states. Well, it says that states should set up these exchanges, like the connector in Massachusetts. And if they don't, then there's a federal backup that will. will the truth of the matter that. is, you don't know the answer. Well, no, I mean, it's essentially, I mean, Jonathan Gruber is the guy who wrote both. He's the economist who sort of did both plans, and he he says no, that this is sort of Sir, getting I'm an states. Economist, to, I'm not a carpenter, and I'm going to tell you, you don't know the answer. I don't know, Jonathan. That's the BS that's going on. You don't know the answer. Jonathan Gruber says that it wouldn't, and Who's I trust Jonathan him. Gruber? Who's Jonathan Gruber? He's the guy who wrote both plans. Okay, <laughs> well, put him on the air. All right. He's on the air all the time. Do a TED right, Talk. He's on the air all the time. You guys can't answer the question. Nobody knows what they're going to pay. Nobody knows what we're going to have. It's all BS. Dan, you sound like a very irate. You sound like a very irate carpenter. So we're gonna let, we're gonna give you the rest of the night no, off. But I, I would suggest, David, you're on no, WLS coast to coast. You're on the air. Go ahead, David. You're on the air. Hello. How you doing there tonight, guys? Good. We're doing fine. So two things. First off, you know, our founding fathers had this set up pretty right. Issues that were this important, there's such a fundamental basis for them. They're supposed to be a right. We have this thing called the Constitutional Amendment that requires the majority of the states, the Congress, the Senate, and the President to be for something this big. And we lost the Congressional and the Presidential our Congress and the presidential sides of this long ago. But what happened this week was the judicial side of it said, you know what, we don't really care about the Constitution. We're going to just rewrite bills when they come to us, and we're going to tell the Congress what they meant. We're not going to throw it back to them and say, hey, there was a tax in there. That's point number one. The second point is, what is my maximum out-of-pocket tax percentage that I should have to pay in my life? When I look at my income tax, my property tax, my Social Security, my Medicare, taxes, excise taxes on gasoline, all those other things. What percentage should I have to pay of my income before really it becomes a form of slavery in this country? So those are my two points. Thank you very much. All right. They ask Americans uh, in terms of uh, what would be a fair tax in in terms of what percentage. And most of the time it comes in about at a quarter, about 25 percent. 
And when they're told that a lot of people pay 49 percent, their eyes get very big. And, and so especially when you add the fact that you have, say, a 39, a 35 percent federal tax and then you have Social Security and then you have the state tax and so forth, it really does get up there really quick. Uh, but some of those are state taxes. You can move and avoid them. Go to lower income state taxes. As but, you, but as I, I, I'm very. I, I not want to make it a comparison with slavery. No, no, that's and that's I mean, and just to think about um, earlier eras. Uh, I mean, we had conscription, and that yeah. was much closer to slavery than uh, than taxes. What does this issue, but politically, uh, Craig? What does this do for uh, the battle for the independent voters? Will young independent voters, will they be pleased by this decision? I would think they would not be. It seems like they'd be uh, disturbed uh, by the fact that they're required to do something. They're, anybody they under 30, anybody under 30 they, and covered, I don't know why so. they would be excited about this idea. Yeah. Because they can stay on their parents' insurance plan. Well, yeah, that, that, that's, a few. That's, that's, that's big some. for a lot of people. That's some. But go ahead, Craig. Well, uh, 20% of the people in this election supposedly are undecided, so that everyone's going to be voting their their self-interest in this election, both on the economic front and on this one. So they'll have to look at it and see if it's reasonable or not. I mean, most young people are fairly educated and fairly, you know, because they've gone through our high schools and things like that. And can maybe you think they're fairly educated. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, they... Well, that's the because you deal with the, the ones that made it to college. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, but I've also written about, you know, K to 12 education and where the standards of, well, we don't want to get into that argument. Yeah, but there is the, the one issue in terms of the, uh, if Romney wants to sell this, right, he has to have a plan in, in place. That's the first thing I would advise him if he were, were to ask me. The second thing is he needs to hit upon the uncertainty of Obamacare. They're going to be creating these various boards, which are uh, mandated within the act. But we have no idea who's going to be on those boards or what those boards are going to do. They've practically been given a carte blanche to do whatever they think is right. Now, I'm hoping that they would come up with good ideas, but you never know what comes out. The old idea of a, of a camel is a horse drawn up by a committee. You don't get what you really want. You want a horse. Well, Sarah Palin, Sarah Palin's going to bring out the death panel uh, issue again. Yeah, I... I hate to use that expression, but we've gotten to the point, especially with the baby boom, we just don't have enough resources to take care of everybody, to let them have everything they want from now until the day they die. And as we found out with our our caller a couple of minutes ago, uh, not all the answers are known yet. No. And one of the other things that I would be concerned about is with all these people now have to buy insurance, I think you're going to get insurance people are going to be selling a pig and a poke. Oh, a lot of people. Absolutely. I mean, there's going to be so much fraud and manipulation and, and you know, contracts now. that people can't follow. It's going to be ridiculous. Back shortly from Chicago. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. 
Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org/caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. You are listening to a recorded edition of Beyond the Beltway with Bruce Dumont from the 2012 Radio Archives. During the break, we were talking about sort of the devil in the details of uh, what's likely to come ahead. Uh, you were telling stories about people or insurance companies asking you questions and you had to have your marriage license and you had to prove that you were married to the your, your wives. So th- there's going to be a lot of intrusion and a lot of uh, questions asked, Absolutely. some by the IRS. Well, so, yeah, in the last year I've had to prove that... Uh, my dependents are my dependents, mm-hmm. and also that I'm a legal citizen here. I had to do with the I-9 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's a lot of checking. The Republicans have been very upset about this for a long time, but Jim DeMint, one of the most conservative members of, of South, from South Carolina, uh, he proposed something well, in, similar this year. Yeah, in 2007, ago. he wrote a letter to Bush saying that he wanted to ensure, quote, ensure that all Americans would have affordable quality and private health coverage while protecting current government programs. We believe the health care system cannot be fixed without providing solutions for everyone. Otherwise, the cost to those without insurance will continue to be shifted to those who do have coverage. And so as Dement and Crapo and Trent Lott and John Thune and you know, a bunch of Democrats as well. And so it was, yeah, 2007, it was, you know, the Republican leadership. Wasn't such a bad idea. Uh, they were certainly committed to it. It's a little hypocrisy oh, I, on this, uh, uh, yeah, professor. There's, there's and, and he was also a big Romney supporter back yeah, then, yeah. so... 
Yeah, I, I, I've admitted from the start that there's, there's something that has to be done. I'm just not sure that Obamacare is the means through this. I think that economists have studied this for years and years, and there's a lot of good ideas out there, none of which I think were, were tapped in creating this bill. And, you, and, 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 and on a personal, for those that didn't hear the beginning of the broadcast, uh, from a political and, and a personal standpoint, you think this is one of the worst decisions the Supreme Court has come I, down with in years. I, I, I'm very much a fan of the Constitution. I like a limited government with enumerated powers. And I just I was very pleased that the uh, the uh, Commerce Clause was not expanded. So this wasn't something where they could make you buy something from a private provider. But I was disappointed that we could tax you for inaction. We could tax your behavior. I, thought, I, I think taxes need to be out there for one reason, and that's to raise revenue. But you were, ex- an, but you were excited when Judge Stevens was elevated to the head of the Supreme Court. Oh, I mean, Roberts? Roberts, I'm yes, sorry. I, yeah, he's a very bright guy. Boy, there's no doubt that and Roberts is a bright And he did exactly guy. what he said he was yeah. going to do in the confirmation hearings. He said he's going to play the umpire. This is, happens to be a, a line drive down the line, and it fe- fell in uh, into play. And it involves the electorate to come out and uh, be able to to vote and ratify or not ratify So conservatives so, should not so be upset great, with this guy. It's great democracy. Well, I've heard, uh, I was talking to a federal judge yesterday, and he said they're going to be thrilled with them when they understand the implications of not appealing to the commerce uh, cause down, there was, down the road. There was one great line in the, in the ruling by Roberts, and that was, it is not the job of the Supreme Court to protect the people from their political decisions. Yeah, he said it wasn't and, and I thought that was just, that was outstanding. You know, we've, we've elected Obama, and doing things like that have consequences. And therefore, you, it's not the job of the Supreme Court to protect us from these consequences. Although, had, jo- we, elected, uh, had we elected Romney four years ago, I'm sure you'd have done the same thing. Yes. I, yep. uh, Joanne in Schaumburg, Illinois, you're listening to us on 89 WLS, and hear your voices going all over the country. Go ahead. Hi, I'm just one of those unhappy campers out here, but I want to say a couple things. A short time ago, maybe two or three months ago, a neurosurgeon called in the Mark Levin show and said that he was returning from a meeting in Washington where he was told he would no longer have the authority to make a decision about a patient with a brain bleed, an aneurysm to go ahead and operate. It would have to go before their panel. That is circulating on YouTube because it was so outrageous. I think that's the beginning of what we're going to see with their, quote, panels. I also think that what Obama said about the elderly, that if they need a hip operation, well, they don't need a hip operation, that's costly. Let's give them a pain pill. Now, who's going to take a pain pill when they need a hip operation? I had a 50% increase in my health insurance premium, 50% the year after Obamacare went into effect. So they're already trying to cover people under 26, you know, the different things, the pre-existing conditions. We're going to be paying through the nose for this thing. Also... The $500 billion, the half a trillion dollars they took out of Medicare to put this plan through, that's just the first step. You, we know they're going to go back there for money. Whenever they need money, they're going to tap into Medicare, who's going broke to begin with. I believe they'll be rationing care to the elderly. I also think that the Republicans have to get it out there, what's actually in this bill, the adverse things that are in this bill, how it's going to affect, affect our health care. And the other thing is the tort reform. If they were sincere about trying to contain the cost care of health care, they would have put tort reform for medical malpractice in this bill. They did not. Wow, you ought to give Romney a call. And the nursing about home. nailing it. I, that was outstanding. The nursing compliments. home thing. Remember the class act? 
Well, that fell out of the bill because they couldn't raise the money for it. And I would just like to comment on Justice Roberts. Yesterday, a poll came out that 67% of the people polled believe what he did was to make a political decision. I thought as a Supreme Court justice, he took an oath to interpret the Constitution, not to make new laws or to reinterpret laws that were sent to him. I think he should resign personally. Well, he wants to protect the integrity of the Supreme Court. Is, is that is his it, job as the Supreme well, Court justice, or I, is he supposed to uphold the Constitution? Well, I think that's one of the things that also came out in the confirmation that he was very concerned about, about the role of the Supreme Court. Yeah, but there's also some question. I, I saw it on the net, so I'm not even sure if it's true, but that uh, he changed his vote. Yeah. He, his original vote was to uh, go, it would have been 5-4 against the mandate, and not tax, not, not the... Uh, uh, Commerce Clause, and he changed his mind. And that makes you wonder, is this a political move? I hope not. He, like I say, he's a very bright guy. and I, you know. Personally, I'd rather have things uh, decided by elections than, than uh, elderly judges. Myself. Yeah. And that is likely to happen. Both I think in so. The, in the two big decisions, uh, they threw it back to the legislative process to iron it out. So between now and November, and maybe many Novembers in the future, We'll be talking about health care and uh, at least the Republicans' response to, to uh, the decision that was handed down last week by the Supreme Court. And then I was the ongoing uh, discussions and debates as to what's going to happen in the handling of uh, illegal immigration uh, in this in uh, not only Arizona, but around the country. But they did give Arizona. They gave them the right, the police officers in Arizona, they can stop people they suspect to be illegal immigrants. And that was the most controversial aspect of that law. So Hispanics are very upset about that. A lot of people are cheering that piece that the Supreme Court uh, said was okay. On that note, our thanks to Michael Miller from DePaul University, Mark Whitty from Northwestern University, and also our Craig Sauter from DePaul as well. This program is a Genevieve production produced in association with WLS Talk Radio. Tom Veracruz and Dan Dorfman are making the program possible. Until next week, this is Bruce Dumont. Good night from Chicago. Since the moment you were born, I've made a thousand wishes. Wishes for your future in a world that's changing fast. For all of the things you may one day do. Do play and laugh. Do win and lose. Do learn from your mistakes. And challenge yourself to grow. Do not be afraid. Or make decisions based in fear. Do it all with confidence and with kindness and strength. Do call your mom and ask her for advice. And always do your best to remember that no matter what you do in this life, what matters to me is that you keep doing. I love you always, Mom. Inspire kids to do at 4H.org. Standing up for what's right. Helping out when things go wrong. Raising our voices alone or together. Seeking the truth and speaking our minds. Not just making records, but breaking them. Fighting for victory on the battlefield and on the playing field. Seeing the world through new eyes and the earth from miles above. Redefining beauty, brains, and what it really means to be queen. Making ourselves heard on stage and on screen. Showing the way in Silicon Valley 
and showing up for others wherever help is needed most. Not just making our mark, but making a difference. Now that's a job for a Girl Scout. Girl Scouts, preparing girls for a lifetime of leadership. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career I can be proud of and supporting my family. America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives. I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV, we're on a mission to help veterans get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran, and my victory was finishing my education. DAV offers veterans of all generations a lifetime of support for victories great and small. My victory was proving that disability is not a limitation. My victory was getting my service dog a new best friend. We help more than a million veterans every year as they face and conquer their challenges. My victory is being able to be there for my family. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. When disaster strikes, keeping in touch with family and friends and reaching public safety officials is critical. To prepare for power outages caused by severe weather or other conditions, you should create an emergency communication plan. First, check important cell phone contacts, including doctors, veterinarians, utilities, and insurance companies, and note local non-emergency numbers. Store at least one contact as in case of emergency, and make sure that person knows if you have medical issues. Also, make sure everyone in your house knows how to text. Check backup batteries for all your phones and fully charge cell phones, batteries, and rechargers. Sign up to receive mobile phone alerts. Back up and print out important personal data. You might buy a battery-operated, solar-powered, or hand-cranked radio or portable TV to monitor news. Start preparing today. For more info, go to FCC.gov emergency.